1: The cover story for September's History Today is about Civil War turncoats. It's written by Andrew Hopper, a lecturer in uh, the Centre for English Local History at the University of Leicester. And um, he's made some fascinating work because I think it's fair to say, Andrew, that uh, the extent of side-changing during the Civil Wars um, was really quite extraordinary and, and far greater than perhaps historians have imagined so far.
0: Yes that's right that's what I'm arguing in in my new monograph on on turncoats and the practice of changing sides. Um, it has been understood I think that a large number of common soldiers were compelled to take to change sides uh, perhaps after being captured in battle or at the fall of a the fall of a garrison or town, um, but perhaps not understood that in other circumstances large numbers of soldiers, um, as well as officers, might choose to change sides. And there was all sorts of different types of side changing, which I've I've, I've been investigating, ranging from peers and MPs to to army officers, common soldiers, um, even some clergymen who who would change sides uh, for a a huge variety of factors.
1: And are there reasons that are specific to the civil wars um, that... Motivated those people to change sides?
0: Yeah, I think during the 1640s, the political situation was extraordinarily fluid and quickly, uh, swiftly developing. And so quite often, um, activists on one side found that the ground had moved rather f- faster than they'd anticipated and looked around at their, their colleagues and comrades and found themselves uncomfortable among them as political circumstances changed. So a constant refrain of many many of a side-changer was that their their, their political ideology, their their morals and and their their concerns hadn't changed, rather that those who'd sided with them had changed. So, you know, they might appear to claim the the centre ground of being politically constant despite having changed sides.
1: And yet... Considering the numbers of people who changed sides during Civil wars, so the penalties, um, the consequences for it could be very severe.
0: Yes, that's right. Um, there's a chapter in the book that looks at uh, military justice, particularly against uh, soldierly turncoats. Martial law could inflict capital punishments um, on those who changed sides or those who attempted to change sides and were caught doing so. Um, yet on the other hand, a number of turncoats, a number of side changes, negotiated their change of sides quite skillfully and with considerable success. So much that they reaped political rewards and benefits, and were warmly received by their new their new comrades.
1: And you offer some of those examples in the article.
0: That's right. Yeah, I mean, there were, they were well, Once you get into the post-restoration period, there are a number of important politicians who had sort of served on numerous uh, numerous sides during the Civil War period. Um, and, you know, a, g- a good example would be, say, Anthony Ashley Cooper, who eventually becomes Earl of Shaftesbury, and he began as a royalist and then turned to the parliamentary cause, and then, of course, supported the Restoration, and later became a Whig. So uh, political allegiances, I think, in the 17th century were fluid, and, and the Civil Wars were... Because of their scale and impact, they had a transformative influence upon how allegiance and loyalty was was negotiated and recognised thereafter.
1: And can you explain, to some extent, why it was so fluid? Because one of the what, what that suggests the fluidity is that the figures, particularly figures, um, the aristocratic figures on both sides. Uh, seem to overlap in their ideologies would that be a fair summary
0: yeah i think i mean it 's long been argued that the moderates in both camps perhaps shared more in common with each other than their their, their, their extremist counterparts uh, on both sides, and quite often you get side changes who are very alarmed by the direction they feel the war is appearing to take and that they backed the wrong horse in terms of the goals of preserving stability and good government, and and, and, and good sense and, and traditional means of of government, and therefore felt impelled to change sides for for quite ideological, quite um, you know, quite uh, reasons that were quite sort of passionately held and and, and they weren't necessarily changing sides just for for advancement or opportunism or or all the the usual accusations that are are thrown against turncoats. I mean, indeed, the term turncoat is quite a pejorative one Um, and historians ought to be careful when looking at side changes um, in assessing what their motives were because sometimes it's really quite unclear and difficult to unpick
1: and we've talked about the aristocrats there and given some examples there, but were the motivations different for the ordinary foot soldiers?
0: Yes, I mean, it has long been argued that the, uh, the, the impressed rank-and-file recruit would have had far more basic concerns of survival, food, rations, pay, shelter, these kinds of things. Um, and that, yes, that's true to some point, and soldiers might change sides... Uh, to attain better conditions, but I hope that I've been able to demonstrate that some pretty minor, sort of you know, pretty humble figures from pretty sort of low-born backgrounds um, either actively chose to change sides, or or actively chose to frustrate the treachery of those who were seeking to change sides, and were capable of political ideas and actions themselves, um, and, you know, and some of them were indeed marked out by conspicuous loyalty for, for sort of foiling plots and conspiracies.
1: And what sort of percentage of the people on both sides were there ideologically? I know that's a very different, quest- uh, a very difficult question to answer there, but because the, the, the accounts of, of turncoats and, and treachery suggest that people were fluid, there must also have been groups of people on both sides who were deeply committed to the cause.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very, very difficult to quantify... Uh, percentages or numbers of turncoats. I don't think we'll ever reach a definitive uh, percentage or statistic of, 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 of how prevalent the phenomenon was, um, because partly because of the problems over defining what constitutes a turncoat. Um, but I think it, but, but I've been able to demonstrate that it was more uh, widespread than we, we, we thought, and that Certainly the more sort of extremely committed members of both coalitions tended to be the most aggressive, the most vitriolic um, against the turncoats from their midst who to change sides and join the enemy.
1: And one of the really fascinating bits about the article is uh, the illustrations of the source material um, that, that, you, that you gathered much of this information from. Um, was this a key topic within uh, Civil War Britain, so far as the printing presses go?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, the, all the, the serial news books run multiple stories about side changes, defections, um, and tended to try to predict uh, the political outcomes that would ensue. Um, uh, the, the, the newsbooks were full of it. They were full of the pejorative language that was used to describe side-changing, um, but there was, of course, the double standard at the heart of it, and that, that they would praise those who joined their side and vilify those who joined the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we, we see the kind of language, I mean, a very colourful language that is used, that, used in the newsbooks, you know, allegations of... of uh, of baseness and treachery, and the term Judas is, is, is used a lot to describe side-changing. Um, and, and we see the, this really, I think, becomes key to uh, English political culture thereafter in that even till today we see political pundits trying to predict which ways the, the wind is going to blow on the basis of defections from, say, members of parliamentary political parties. So yes, the, the the press had an absolute field day with with this topic.
1: And of course, we tend to think and, and associate the words turncoat and treachery together. But one could argue that the the, the very end of the Civil War which was brought about by one of the greatest turncoats of all, General Monk.
0: Yes, it's. Well, well, I've not uh, written a great deal about Monk in the book because this if you if you can call it a defection it's happening in very changed political circumstances you know in in early 1660 and i think perhaps this, this period deserves a separate study in itself entirely you know how former parliamentarians um what role they played in the restoration how they came to terms with it thereafter um monk of course had been looked upon as a turncoat for having previously served the king in the early 1640s and then eventually deciding after a lengthy period of imprisonment to to serve the parliamentarians. So he'd got form, if you like, but it's very difficult to apply the term turncoat to Monk in 1660, although many dismayed and disappointed Republicans did. It's it's a very charged word to describe what hundreds of people were, were doing at that time.
1: And he was a pragmatist, essentially.
0: Yeah, it's long been thought that Monk was most concerned with uh, discipline and order, <laughs> and that uh, the uh, restored monarchy offered him the, the, the best means for that to be achieved by, you know, by the spring of 1660.
1: Well, Turncoats and Treachery is a fascinating article, Andrew, and it's the cover story for the September edition of History Today. And Andrew Hopper's book... Turn Coats and Renegados uh, is published by Oxford University Press in November. Thank you, Andrew. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.